Imagine for one moment two identical businesses. These businesses have the exact same customers, they have the exact same revenue, they even have the exact same profit. How is it possible that one business could be valued at 10 times greater than the other one? That and more coming up on the marketingandservice.com podcast. Hey, Justin Veruzzo here from the marketingandservice.com podcast, the podcast to help you build your business by creating incredible customer relationships. Today's show is all about valuations, and today we have an incredible guest who's going to be joining us to talk about how important valuations are and what little things can happen in your business that can have a tremendous impact on a valuation of your business. Now, you might wonder how this plays into the customer experience and building incredible customer relationships. But what if creating a great customer experience is the very thing that can boost your valuation? While this doesn't apply to the 10x that I introduced in this podcast, it is something that's covered. If you enjoy this, make sure you please subscribe, follow, and if you're feeling really good about it, leave a five-star review. I'd greatly appreciate it, and it's what keeps me motivated and inspired to keep producing these podcast episodes. So I hope you enjoy this show, and we're going to jump right into the interview. On today's show, I have Barat Kanadia. He's valued over 2,000 businesses, real estate, industrial, governmental infrastructure, public and private companies. He's uh, appraised things and assets such as the Golden Gate Bridge, Atlanta Airport, Uber, Airbnb, Yahoo, the Brooklyn Bridge, New York State Thruway System, the Mirage Casino in Las Vegas, and this list goes on and on. Barat signed off on over 4,500 valuations with trillions in assets globally. And today, Barat is joining us over in San Francisco. How are you doing today? How you doing, Justin? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Now, I'm just going to jump right into this. You've got this fantastic YouTube channel called What It's Worth, where you do videos on how you evaluate businesses. Can you tell me a little bit about that channel and how you got that started? Absolutely. It was, uh, frankly, um, you know, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, I needed something that... Um, uh, makes me stand out. Um, and I have always enjoyed, um, as part of my job, educating clients and my team members on valuations. And I have um, uh, trained over 800 analysts and over 400 venture capital professionals and CFOs and partners. Wow. And the reason I am half good at it is because I don't do geek talk. Um, I mean, you know, I can go toe to toe with anybody on geek talk, right. but <laughs> how does it help people, right? If I start throwing fancy terms in front of you, you know, people think that's going to impress people, but no. Sure. Maybe, um, you know what? I, since you brought that up, maybe we can actually just talk about the word valuation because honestly, I think a lot of people just quickly, when they think about it on the surface, they think, oh, you know, you're a startup tech company in, uh, in San Francisco, in Silicon Valley, uh, and you're looking for that billion dollar valuation for your angel investor, right? Uh, but I, I, we've discussed this previously. There's so many other things that these valuations can apply to, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, generally, traditionally, when people think of valuations, it's for some kind of a transaction, right? Somebody is 
giving you money or you're taking money from someone. But there are many uses of valuation. It could be for tax purposes, right? Uncle Sam always wants his cut. How much to give him, right? Sure. That depends on valuation. Or it's for accounting. If you invested $100 in a company today, what's that going to be worth three months or six months or 12 months from now? Or it could be for um, insurance purposes. When I appraised the Golden Gate Bridge, that was for insurance because how the underwriters know how much premium to charge. Well, that's based on evaluation. Sure. That, that's great. Yeah. So I, it does apply to small businesses and medium-sized businesses, uh, and it's definitely something they want to think about. I imagine even something as simple as getting a loan, uh, if you wanted to expand for inventory or something like that, would it would be helpful to have a, a positive valuation on your, your organization. Yeah, absolutely. You approach uh, SBA or even a private lender uh, for a loan, and they would need to know what your business is worth before they give you the money. Sure. And one thing, the one of the videos that you have that I absolutely loved compared two identical car washes, uh, except one was valued six to 10x more than the other. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that because I really love this one. Sure. This was actually, this happened to me practically. I, you, I go to this car wash, which is like two miles from my house, and I always go there. And they have this deal where they say, hey, you buy five and you get one for free, or you buy 10 and you get two for free, which Sounds is like pretty, a pretty good deal. Yeah. Like for haircuts or a salon or something. And then one day I went and they had a huge line and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to stand here for a half hour. So I just drove a couple of more blocks and there was another car wash, which had more line. But then I was like, well, okay, fine. But, you know, it seems like they've got a lot of bays and the cars were moving pretty fast. So I stood in line there. When it was time for me to pay, she said, okay, sir, what's your membership number? I'm like, what? Membership number at a car wash? What are you talking about? And she's like, oh, no, sir, we have these membership options. And then I looked at the membership options and it says, um, if you want two car washes, it's uh, $30 a month, three car washes, $40 a month, and five car washes, $50 a month. And I was like, man, that's a beautiful business model. Because with the previous car wash, say if I buy 10 of them and then I have two for free, I have total 12. But I can get them over 12 months or even 18 months. There's no um, uh, date of expiration to right. that. And, and I only cut them a check once, right? Once in maybe two months, three months, six months. But the other car wash, I'm writing them a check or they're charging my card on a monthly basis. Sure. So irrespective of if I use it or I don't use it, they're getting my money. And valuation is all about business model. It's the same business, but their business model was far different. So as a valuation person, as an appraiser, I would give this car wash, the one with the monthly model, a higher multiple because the, they, they have the ability to charge the customer's card on a monthly basis. Recurring revenue is the key to valuation. And that's why many of these companies like Salesforce or others are valued so high because they have a recurring monthly revenue model. Yeah, that, that I think is really important for uh, a lot of small businesses to think about because it also, uh, as you know, this podcast really is about how we can best serve customers. Uh, and I think in a lot of instances, and of course it doesn't apply to everything, but in a lot of instances, 
uh, people want the convenience to be able to just go get a car wash whenever they want and not have to keep worrying, oh, do I have an extra token or did I, I have the subscription, I can just go get my car wash, it's done, it's convenient, I don't have to think about it, I know it's going to be $30 a month, whether it's a northeast winter where I'm washing salt off it, or if it's a beautiful sun and I'm going once a month, it's just fixed in my budget. So I think it helps not only the consumer to budget for the product or service you're offering, but of course, as you said, you have that recurring revenue, which of course I'm, I'm sure is uh, helpful for cash flow as well for a lot of businesses. Yeah, I mean, bus- uh, banks or investors love this kind of business model because it gives you um, insight into the future. There's stickiness there. Sure. One of the other things that I, I wanted to talk about a little bit is uh, obviously you, you think valuations, uh, a lot of people will think Instagram, right? Valued at a you know, I think it was a billion dollars at the time without one penny of revenue uh, when they got gobbled up by Facebook. And what I thought was interesting about this is uh, on the surface, I thought to myself, well, well, why? Uh, and then again, I brought it back to customer service and I thought to myself, well, here was a company that was delivering uh, a really good service to their quote unquote customers, even though they weren't paying, but they were creating this really positive experience that attracted a tremendous number of people, which ultimately led to that valuation, right? So I I guess my question would be is what are in those instances where you have a huge audience uh, or, or a large following, but you don't necessarily have a monetized product yet, uh, how does that work with a, with a valuation? So even if Instagram did not have much revenue at that time, what they had were users. And the users are building their empire, if you will, on Instagram's land. Gotcha. So I, for example, I have a YouTube channel, but I am building my empire on YouTube's land. That has value sure. because the more people you add to the mix, the more influencers, the higher the valuation of that land. That's great. That's a really good thing for people to keep in mind that it's not always about every single penny that you're bringing into that business at any given time, right? So uh, one of the other videos that caught my attention, uh, primarily because it was it was something I discussed on a recent podcast episode, it was in regards to uh, you were looking at some sign shops that create uh, like signage that would go on buildings or the side of a van, uh, and you were discussing about uh, the possibility of collaborating with even competitors. Uh, tell me a little bit about how that works out. Many a times people think of competitors as people you want to stay away from, right? But it's not necessary. As as, as, uh, Abraham Lincoln once said, if I make my enemy my friend, am I not defeating him? Same way, right? As, As a business, as a professional, you cannot possibly do everything. And any good professional or any savvy businessman knows that. If he tries to do everything, they know that's a recipe for failure. So instead of trying to do everything, try to focus on what you do the best 
And for everything else that you may not be the best at, collaborate with people, even if it is a competition. Um, Karma is a great thing. The more you give, the more you get. The problem is people always start by saying, what do I get? Right. No, it doesn't work like that. You give first. You give once. You give twice. You give thrice. I give everybody three chances, right? If I can give anybody referrals, I will give them three times a referral and not expecting anything back. Right. But after the third referral, if I still don't get anything back and there's no date to expiration on this, if I still don't get anything back, I may say, hey, maybe it's not the best collaborative relationship. But you want to involve your competitors as long as you know they're good people and they're not going to poach your clients or anything like that. It's always to your benefit to work with people. Yeah, and I, work with people you want to work with. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I I am a huge huge proponent of those collaborations. Uh, sometimes maybe it's not industry specific to your particular business. Uh, uh, you know, maybe you're a restaurant and you partner with a gift shop or something like that where there's cross promotion. Uh, but I think in a lot of instances, it's not. A, a bad thing to reach out directly to competitors. And, and you know, if you're in a landscape, whatever business you're in, you usually know who your competitors are and you should have a good understanding of what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And chances are you would find something that you know they do better than you do. And you know that there's a bunch of things that you do that's better than what they do. Uh, so I think those collaborations really are super important. Uh, and one thing you had mentioned in that video that I thought was really fantastic is the idea that in Obviously, in a lot of industries today, let's be honest, there's a lot of consolidation going on, right? So you've got buyouts, you've got mergers. Uh, and in that example, you discussed, hey, you know, this company you're collaborating today, uh, you may be merged with a year from now or six months from now. Who knows, right? Yeah, you want to work with people because you never know where or how or when you might see them again. And if you have... Um, maintain a credit balance, the karma credit balance with them or their company, um, chances are when you do go around that 360 bend and come back to the same people via a merger or via an acquisition or another deal, they will think upon you favorably. And don't forget, even the clients will appreciate this about you because your clients will think that, hey, Justin is just not looking out for himself. He's looking out for me. And he understood what I really needed. And he recognized that there are other people who can do a better job than him. And he recommended me to them. And that will give Justin a higher rating in the credit scale to a customer. Um, instead of customers saying, oh, Justin couldn't do it, so I had to go find somebody else. Right. And and this is this is all about that building long-term and solid relationships with your customers. It's something that I preach in every episode of my podcast. It's all about building trust and building long-term relationships if you want fruitful business relationships that will last year after year after year after year. Most definitely. So uh, something I thought was uh, pretty cool that we had discussed briefly uh, a few weeks ago was the uh, the idea that you've represented both uh, a lot of businesses, but you've also represented uh, some of the VC firms as well, right? Yes. 
Let me ask something. Just out of curiosity, does anything change in your approach to valuing a business, whether you're on the business side or the VC side? <laughs> um, yes and no. Um, so it is all about perspective, right? So, for example, this is a phone, right? It's just you're looking at the backside of my phone. Yeah, Barat's looking- holding up his phone to the camera for those listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, Justin is looking at the backside of my phone. I'm looking at the front. Somebody's looking from the top. Somebody's looking from the side. Sure. It is the same phone. So when I'm doing evaluation for a venture capitalist versus a bank or versus a founder, um, I am valuing the same object, but it really depends on the perspective. So the perspective changes. The assumptions um, may or may not be the same also. Um, Say, for example, if a VC is saying, oh, this company is going to grow at um, 100% year over year and may go up to 150% year over year. Versus if you look at the founder and hear her perspective, she might say, oh, my company is going to grow at 200% this year and 500% next year. So, yeah, the perspective is changing. Um, And because the perspective, the underlying assumptions are changing, the valuations may change as well. Okay, interesting. That's really cool. I, I never really thought about uh, that too much, but obviously, uh, if you're buying a business, you want to know what it's worth, and if you're selling it, you want to know what it's worth. Uh, and and of course, <laughs> you don't always find a happy middle ground in that. <laughs> Most definitely. Usually, I mean, you know, a buyer wants the lowest value, and the seller wants the highest value, and the right answer is somewhere in the middle. Right. Right. And and it's the people who are. Um, uh, are are good at empathy, who are good at listening, who understand each other's perspective. They are the ones who are able to strike a deal. The ones who try to go just their way, it's hard to work with people like those. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, as we start to uh, wind this down a little bit, there's two questions that I always like to ask everyone who's on this show. Uh, and the first one is uh, the biggest mistake that you've ever made that ended up being an incredible learning lesson because uh, I know myself uh, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of mistakes I've made have later become things that were really important learning lessons that have made me better at sales, better at marketing, and and better at business management. Uh, and a lot of people don't want to highlight their failures; they only want to highlight their successes. So I ask, what's the biggest mistake you've made that you feel became later on a great learning lesson? Oh, I've made uh, many, many mistakes, but the one that stands out and that'll be very pertinent um, to um, your audience is, um, Justin, I had spent a ton of money um, in marketing my business, right? I had spent about $150,000 in marketing my business. I did everything. I blogs, SEO, PR, conferences, sponsorship. I mean, you name it, I threw the kitchen sink at it. And the results were marginal at best. Wow. The biggest learning was content is king. And original video content is king of kings. So after wasting all that time, money, and effort, I said, okay, the heck with it. I am just going to double down on video content. And that's why I created my YouTube channel. Because using my YouTube channel, I get to reach out to different audience. I am helping people. 
and it's coming back to me in terms of good karma via SEO. That's great. That's a great perspective because I, I'm a huge proponent of video as well. Uh, and it's something that's been available and easy to do for the most part for so long, but yet people are still so reluctant uh, and and not comfortable behind the camera. And the one thing I always think about is, uh, you know, back in the, well, you just did an episode on Shark Tank, right? And when, when you look at a, a show like that, people say, oh, if I could only get on TV and if I could just get my product in front of these people. Uh, but the bottom line is you can. We have the tools. You've got the tool in your hand right there. You got a phone. You've got YouTube. It's all free. You've already got it. You just have to do it and get out there, right? Most definitely. And frankly, it was nerve-wracking in the beginning when I started doing videos. I'm like, oh my God, everybody's going to think I'm going all Hollywood and this and that. But no, <laughs> that's not the point. You know, as Mark Twain said, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. So just get started. Start somewhere. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I do think why you're, you're sitting there for, oh, my, is my shirt okay? Is it, is this, yeah. this right? And you never watch a show and, and say, oh, that guy's shirt's a little bit wrinkled. I don't know <laughs> if I, I don't know if I can stand looking at this anymore, right? <laughs> so uh, I, 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 just to go back for one second. So you did a lot of different marketing stuff. Uh, and, and in your experience, you found that video stood out above and beyond all the other stuff. Because you had mentioned you did a blog and stuff and some SEO work as well. Uh, but the video still trumped the written word. Video is like um, a cannon compared to handguns. That's awesome. Well, there you have it. That is a, that is a great piece of advice for anyone listening. Don't be shy. Put yourself in front of the camera. Do some videos. Uh, I myself, I love doing videos, and I've I found uh, I, I get pretty good exposure on YouTube with with the videos that I make as well. Uh, so one of the other questions I always ask is, what is the best piece of advice someone has ever given you, uh, either personal or business? Just some tidbit where you you walked away and said, "Wow, this this has a impact on my life," or "This is going to change how I how I run my business." You know, um, no person in particular stands out, but I've always been a fan of uh, two people. Um, one is Winston Churchill, and um, the other one is uh, Mark Twain, and of course, Teddy Roosevelt. Um, these three, uh, you know, I, I use their quotes quite a bit, if you've ever noticed in my videos. And those quotes are not just fillers. I I'm think... more familiar with the Sopranos quotes in your videos. <laughs> <laughs> I've used those too. <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, what, what quotes are really, it's poetry. Poetry just shrunk down to one sentence, one and a half sentence. I mean, one of the, my, my favorite quotes from um, Winston Churchill is, um, success is not final. Uh, failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. That's fantastic. That is great. I do like that a lot. Uh, and I, I think there's a lot, lot to be learned there and a lot to think about. So in terms of uh, people finding you, because I'm sure people are going to want to get in touch and, and uh, learn more about how they can have their business valuated. Uh, first and foremost, you got to check out what it's worth. That's the name of the YouTube channel for Barat. And then, of course, his website, which is veristrat.com. That's V-E-R-I-S-T-R-A-T.com. I'll also make sure that I put links both to the YouTube channel uh, and the website in the show notes and, of course, on marketingandservice.com. Yeah, the best way to reach me is via my website or 
if you go to the about page on the YouTube channel, there's an email. You can reach out to me via email. And, you know, if you want to engage us, great. If not, I'm just happy to give you advice. You know, I've helped a lot of people along the way. And what I have seen is the more people I help, the better it is for me. So happy to share. Awesome. Any any parting advice you can give to our audience for small businesses? Always think in terms of recurring revenue and automation. If you do those things, you will not go wrong. There it is. This is coming from Barat, who has valued thousands of businesses worth trillions of dollars. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Justin. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Wow. What a great guest. What fantastic information. And who really thought that there were so many reasons evaluation is so important for all businesses, big or small. If you're trying to get a loan, if you're trying to build a collaboration, if you're looking for investors, this becomes so important. And I think the advice that Barack gave in this interview was absolutely spot on and fantastic, especially from a marketing perspective, his discussion of video and the success that he's gotten from his YouTube channel. That is definitely something you want to consider and see how you can integrate video into your business. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe, follow. And if you want more information on how to get in touch with Barat, you can always go to the website, marketingandservice.com and look up this episode. I also put after show thoughts into those articles on the website. So it's definitely worth checking out if you enjoyed the interview. And you're invited to come join the conversation on the marketingandservice.com Facebook group. I love talking with like-minded individuals. Come join the group and share what you've got going on in your business. And maybe together we can overcome some of the challenges that you're facing. I'm your host. I'm Justin Veruzzo. This is the marketingandservice.com podcast, the podcast to help you grow your business by creating incredible customer relationships. Oh,